Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. <laughs> Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausage. No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland, sausages, <laughs> pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast. Hi, this is Małgorzata Bonikowska, Margaret Bonikowska, your host. And you're listening to episode 91 of Polcast, recorded and produced by me in Toronto. Today is November the 11th, day of great importance to both my countries, Canada and Poland. In Canada, we celebrate Remembrance Day, a memorial day observed in Commonwealth member states since the end of the First World War to honor armed forces members who died in the line of duty. Remembrance Day marks the end of the First World War in 1918. On the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month, a silence is observed and dedicated to soldiers who died. Its symbol is the red poppy, symbolizing both remembrance and hope for a peaceful future. Poppy flowers grew on the battlefields after World War I ended. This is described in the famous World War I poem in Flanders Fields. The slogan of this special day is, Lest We Forget. I think this year, Remembrance Day has got an extra special significance with the atrocities of the war in Ukraine. 11th of November is also Poland's Independence Day. To commemorate the 11th of November 1918, when Poland regained independence after almost one and a half centuries of being partitioned by three powers, Russia, Austria-Hungary, and the German Empire. For all these years, Poland was removed from the map of the world and Europe. The defeat in the First World War of all the three occupying powers made it possible to restore independence to Poland. Poland was reborn. Alina Deja, who is Polish and lives in Berlin, just loves Canada. Her university education, her PhD, and everything she has accomplished since then is motivated by this passion for Canada and thinks Canadian. Her brainchild is an ambitious youth program, Canada Study Tour, where high school students from Poland come to Canada to learn, study, and get to know the culture. I met Alina with her group in November last year and was really happy to meet them, show them a bit of my Canada here in Caledon, and to talk and share some knowledge with those bright young people who were learning Canadian values and getting to know the country, which I love and am passionate about as well from this side of the Atlantic. Now it's November again, so Alina is on the next Canada study tour with her Polish students. We talked about her and her program before the November program started. 
Alina, I've just seen your room. This is a room that's all in Canadian flags and in Canadian pictures and books. I want to know when all this started, this fascination with Canada. To cut a long story short, I was a second year uh, university student and I took uh, the Canadian course in literature, in Canadian literatures. And uh, which university I, was that? University of Silesia. And then I met Professor Eugenia Soika and... Um, well, um, since that time, I just felt something like inspirational, you know, because I've always wanted to do something different than the others do. And uh, we were watching a film together, and um, well, I just felt it. Do you remember mm-hmm. what film that was? It was Indigenous. I don't know. I think that it was like uh, Thompson Highway, as far as I remember, Indigenous drama. But I cannot tell you the title exactly because, you know, there were just the first films. But I just remember, you know, that I was sitting in the classroom and watching the movie. And then there were the fragments of beautiful Canadian, you know, like nature. So I was like, oh, this is something interesting because everybody was interested in um, in the United States or in DB, you know. So I just said like, oh, this is something different. So I was pretty ambitious. And uh, when the second uh, year at university finished, I was supposed to uh, head in an essay. And uh, Eugenia Soika, she asked if I can publish that. So, you know, as a second year university student, it was marvelous for me to have the ability to meet the professors and to be close to academia. So it all started. I went already to university conference when I was second year university student and the fourth and the fifth. So this is the whole inspiration started. I met a lot of Canadians at the time. So I was learning in Poland because the Canadians from different Canadian universities, they were coming to my university. We had the Canadian Culture Days and other lectures organized by my university. So I was always with them there, meeting, learning from them a lot, learning about Canada, learning about leadership, you know, and just being with them, which was awesome. So when did you first come to Canada? That wasn't so, uh, so fast. I think that I was 25, so the first year year the student. We received the Canadian government grant. I was responsible for five other students, and uh, we had the Indigenous project, and I had my own Polish-Canadian research. I was responsible for Indigenous, and I was uh, responsible for my Polish-Canadian research project. And what was the Polish-Canadian project? I was studying memoirs at the very beginning of that time. So I was meeting individuals, uh, Polish-Canadians, writing in English. I was more interested in those Poles who assimilated very easily into Canada. The whole project then developed into a writing, you know, a kind of a comparative study between uh, Eastern Europeans uh, in Canada, like Ukrainians and then Polish immigrants to Canada. But that was my focus at that time. At that time, which means now it's different. So how many years ago was that? Uh, 12, 13. So let's see what has happened in those 13 years, because I met you in Canada, and this was not your first or your second or your third. You became a regular in Canada. How did this happen? Your idea of creating a special program. Tell me about how that was born. So let's start this way. I always got a lot from Canadians. They're really wonderful people. The professors, they they really taught me a lot of things. And uh, I felt like being there, an innate feeling to do something good for the others. So it's not only me who is experiencing Canada in such a positive way, and that is getting, you know, all the positivity, but I also wanted to share with the others. That's the first thing. I was having and carrying the feeling always. 
uh, I did a lot of stuff. So I took part in a new project when I come to Canada. We organized a lot of our students. So, and I was working in Canada. I had the internship in the Polish consulate in um, in Toronto. Was doing also the internship at the in Ottawa in new delegation to Canada. So a lot happened between the years before I started organizing the tour. And at that time, I was also working in university. I had a lot of contact with young people. Well, I was driving a car to a conference to Brussels, connected with Canada. And I was working at the time in university, but I was just asking myself, right, oh, this is fun. But what exactly do you really like doing? And I said, they're like, I think they're like uh, sharing the positivity. And uh, cut a long story short, I love flying to Canada and teaching and educating people. Because I do have also language school. So at that time, I was having a personal trip with two girls. They want to study in Toronto. I met with Ian Tyson, and uh, he just asked me, you know, to coordinate the project with Canada uh, for some high school students. And at that time, because I was working in university, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't pretty sure to organize it or not, because it's a different emotions, different project. Uh, but then I decided to do it. I decided to pursue it. Well, and it happened and it was really damn successful. Well, we were invited for a conference, but because of my contacts, because of my university life, because of all the things that were happening before Canada Study Tour started, and even, you know, the Canada Study Tour, it's like uh, the name comes from the name from Brussels, from the EU Commission. So we did also Canada Study Tour, but for university students. So I just said, okay, I'm going to do it with the high school students or with the very ambitious ones so that, you know, we have a continuation of what we did in Brussels. So your first group that you took to Canada was when? 2019. Four years ago. Tell me how this program works, what it is really supposed to do. It's supposed to teach students about Canadian leadership. These are high school students. Yes, they are IB students, mostly. 80% of them are IB students. Right. And they're from where? Everybody. Poland is invited to join Canada Study Tour. So we organize applications and then they have the video interview with mm-hmm. me and some other Canadian organizers. And how many groups do you take to Canada every year? It depends on the conferences, but let's say one to two as maximum because the first tour is organized in November always. Like for we are coming for the Ontario Student Leadership Conference. This tour is focused on the conference and then the other one is just different. Well, let's say it depends, you know, if it if we attend Spark or if we attend Global Student Leadership, which happens every second year, or we just go to BC. So what are these conferences? What do they really do? They're mm-hmm. game changers. So they change the mentality of the students, the way they think about themselves, about the world. Uh, Canada has been always very inspirational for me and very, very special uh, when you compare it to other countries in the world because of its diversity and inclusion and the way it works. The Canadian mosaic, when you compare it to the melting pot in the United States, you know, it just works differently in Canada. So we do focus on teaching students the leadership, but only like Canadian leadership, how mm-hmm. to include, how to inspire, how to share. So this is the main focus. And every part of the tour is organized, let's say, depends on the project, but about different aspects of Canadian leadership. So such as what? So right now, what are we going to um, focus in November at OSLC is inclusion. And with University of Victoria, we start from mission goals, and then we go into leadership and leading with empathy. So this is the main focus at the University of Victoria is leading with empathy. 
Yeah, transformational leadership. Who runs those courses at the University of Victoria? One of my partners, uh, Carla Cugeta, and uh, we are together at the University of Victoria. She worked for the Dean of Social Science and Curtis too. He's also a university uh, professor. Her husband, Carla's husband, is ex-professor at the University of Alberta. So we organized the meetings with them plus with the other uh, university professors. So this November, we're going to have two full leadership conferences at the University of Victoria. This year, they will start with the uh, leadership with empathy, the lecture. Then they proceed into workshop about their values and about goals. And then they go into leading, leading with empathy the next day. And this is both first a lecture and then a workshop. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. one day, just one day? In... Depends on the tour. This time, it's more, it's two days. Mm-hmm. And then we go and uh, discuss and do we do the briefings and uh, reflections uh, at the end of the day always. Part of it is also sightseeing, right? For those kids to get to see Canada, at least some of it. So what do you what do they manage to see in a tour? We are trying to show them almost everything, let's say, but maybe not like everything, but let's say the main points. Well, it's like we are always on the run. So the main focus is education, right? And then we have time, we just go to see Niagara Falls, see Yenan Tower, you know, in Toronto. Or we do it together with the partners. So, for example, this year in May, we had a meeting at the um, Ontario Art Gallery with Natalia Husser. She's a uh, prominent uh, Ukrainian-Canadian uh, artist and writer. So we also did like um, art. This year, we are also going to go to the uh, museum in Oshawa and the art gallery too. But we're going to do it together with the university, with uh, Durham College. We're also going to go to York University. The sightseeing when it comes to Ontario, it's just like, Queen. <laughs> oh, well, they are mainly for education there. Uh, Vancouver, uh, of course, Vancouver sites, you know, Landmark, Suspension Bridge, uh, Stanley Park, the city. Um, and then on Vancouver Island, this is the main part because they do have the meetings with indigenous. Sometimes you go to Honor Bay. Uh, they go to Podrentu, Avenue Grove, uh, Sombre Beach. Um, and uh, sometimes they, you know, if the weather is okay, they take a boat and they go, uh, you know, sightseeing and see orcas and the wildlife of we do climbing, for example, in November, the climbing is planned uh, in the Naimo in Natus Bay. Uh, we go to we sleep in Souk, so Souk is also a very interesting place. We're going to be staying in Port Alberni. We're going to go to the lake to my friends, and we're going to have a three day of spending like a together time. We're going to have lots of reflections, but lots of like fun, like, you know, uh, kayaking, canoeing, you know, feeling Canadian, like fire, you know, forest, etc. So how many people do you take at one time and how long are those trips? We take 8 to 12 students. 12 is our maximum. This year we take 12. We are in Canada usually between 16 and 21 days. It's a long time. Yeah. Depends, you know, on the program. It's about 17, 18 days for sure. So how does it work financially? I mean, do you get any funding to sponsor this? Depends on the tour. Sometimes we are lucky to get some funding, for example, from Canadians or they just volunteer, for example. Parents are usually responsible for the costs, like transport, flight tickets, etc., which I do support because I think that uh, students should contribute financially also and should be responsible. You know, I am not a fan, you know, of uh, funding everybody. So it depends on the tour. Like in May, we had a, a lot of support for Ukraine town community. So a lot of programs were sponsored. Every Canada study tour is just different. We have different people, different professors, different, we bond in a different way. We bond with different, you know, like on different level. Sometimes it's more academic level like this time. 
uh, in May, it was more like personal level. Yeah. So it's, uh, we do have the group. First of firstly, and then we try to see the program and adjust the program a little bit to the, to the students. What do you think it's giving those young people, or what do they say after they've oh, done? Oh, um, <laughs> it's always so great to see them uh, simply happy. It's a life changing program for them. First of all, they love Canada. Yes, they love. They just they just only want to come back there. So they always say like Canada is a place where they feel safe. They feel happy. And they always want to come back there. So this is the feeling that I have. It's, you know, it's always good to have a place, you know, like on the earth, you know, that you uh, that you go there. So like, oh, I feel grounded. I feel just happy here. Yeah. The people, you know, this is this is a terrific place. For the kids, it's awesome. Uh, they learn how to create a relationship. They also learn how to cooperate and work with lots of professionals. Uh, it's sometimes very challenging for them because we do have different meetings. Sometimes the university is a conference. They have to, this time they have to interview a lot of Canadians and teachers and professors that might be challenging for them. So they get a kind of a pre-university or even university uh, challenges for the high school students. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's challenging and game changing in terms of um, personal development uh, and professional development. That's why our motto, motto is like, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't challenge you. So when you when you kind of advertise or publicize that you are accepting um, those applications, do you usually have a lot? Yes, we do have. Right now we have really a lot. We have like about 80. This one's cool. It's very competitive mm-hmm. and there are a lot of applications coming. Uh, kids are just afraid that they're not going to get into that program. I was less competitive. Maybe it just was not that good time to go. And I think that, first of all, you know, we had the impact of the war. The pandemic must have stopped then, it. Yes. The kids from 2020, they were not able to fly until 2021. They were writing to us by themselves, like pushing because we are vaccinated. Can we finally fly? The group last November was awesome. It was a big group, and we did Ontario, we did Alberta, and we did BC. So we had three provinces. It was amazing. So um, all together up to now, how many have you brought to uh, Canada? Oh, God, this is difficult, because we do have also the tours in summer. So mm-hmm. it's not only Canada study tour. So we do sometimes have private trips in summer. Sometimes this is not Canada study tour. But Canada study tour, 60, 70, so far. So I was asking about the number of groups. Canada study tour right now is the sixth edition. This will be the sixth group. So how do you feel about doing it? Like that's your life mission kind of thing almost. Yeah, I always mm-hmm. wanted to live in Canada. I felt pretty sad, you know, to come back to Europe. And Why don't you move to Canada? I wanted to do it. I just, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy that it, it finished this way, you know, that because of that's my family. Yes, I'm the only child, you know, so it's, it's okay that I'm here. Let's say because of my family, but... Europe is not the place that I'm going to be living forever. When I get older, I'm going to go there. <laughs> well, it, I don't have to live there, let's say. I just can, you know, have to kind of a little cottage, you know. <laughs> well, those are the dreams right now. I'm okay right now. It was very difficult for me to get used to living in Europe because, you know, I've been living, you know, and working in Canada and doing the internship. Like, I was like two months in, in Europe and uh, 10 months in Canada, right? For how many years? Started when I was a first year student. So for five, six years, so I was always like flying there. So my mentality changed. You're so fascinated with Canada. What is it 
I'm not blind when it comes to Canada too, okay? You know, I studied a lot about Canada. I was living in Canada. So I know, let's say, that Canada is a really nice country. And though the people say that Canadians are the nicest people, etc. you know, I, I know that we are all humans and we all struggle. Well, it's a very difficult uh, question. Um, I would just say that uh, the whole um, system, how it works when it comes to diversity, inclusion, and people, that makes me feel safe. The whole com- concept of multiculturalism, but the Canadian multiculturalism, that's something that makes me feel happy. Plus, uh, the fact that Canadians, let's say, are more open than the others. Yeah, they are more kind. I don't focus so much on the beauty. I know this is beautiful there. Uh, I feel awesome doing lots of Canadian stuff, like by sliding, kayaking, you know, and, uh, and hiking and, and, and birds. This is all incredible. But I just feel safe, maybe because I'm I'm very lucky to be with the right people in Canada. What are your plans? Like, do you want to expand this, develop it? Yeah, yes, we are expanding it right now fast because Corona is over. So we are lucky right now that we're going to have four partner schools right now. And we want to implement Canadian leadership into this schools. But what is really great is that we did it already in... Uh, 2018, but then Corona came and couldn't um, work with that school anymore. So right now we are trying to uh, renew the relationship. But right now Canada Study Tour has been only organized in Moscow and Lublin. And uh, all the marketing and branding right now is going to be around Canadian leadership. So we're going to mm-hmm. try to focus on sending more kids to Canada. Then Canadians is going to come to Poland. So all my partners, they're going to try to come and we're going to organize a camp or a conference about Korean leadership. We're going to have projects after Canada study tour, focus on Canada. So the students, they are, who are going to Canada. We're going to have the empathy project, gratefulness projects, and empowerment and sharing. So they have to right now impact the others in Poland with the uh, positive Canadian energy. So we are planning that to do it in Lublin, then we are planning to do it in May, uh, in Opola, in Warsaw, and in Krakow. I just want that Canada is more popular in Europe, in Poland especially. In Poland, Canada, unfortunately, is still less known. I just want more Canada in Poland. To learn more about Canada study tours, please visit Polcast website at mypolcast.com. You will find links there to the original website, photos, and some more information. There are only 650 of them left in the world. They cost anywhere between 8 and $20 million each. And those who are real experts swear that they are worth every penny of this exorbitant amount. Well, we are talking about the Stradivarius violins. That's what you just heard. For those who know a lot about music, this sound is something incredible. 
These fantastic violins were built by the Italian family Stradivari in the 17th and the 18th centuries. In the Eshmolean Museum in Oxford, you can see the Messiah Stradivarius, the only as-new Stradivarius violin in the world, the most precious of them all, and is estimated to have a worth of $20 million. Anyway, one such priceless Stradivarius violin stolen from the National Museum in Warsaw during World War II has just been found in France. It was made in 1719 by Antonio Stradivari, the most talented member of the Stradivari family. In 1900, it was bought by a wealthy textile industrialist and patron of the arts from Wuch, Henrik Grohmann. In his mansion, he ran a cultural salon attended by many famous people, such as writer Henrik Sienkiewicz and prime minister musician Jan Ignacy Paderewski. In his famous collection of instruments, he also had a rare 1734 Guarneri violin. Henrik Grohmann died in 1939 and left his whole estate to the Second Republic of Poland. The instruments were hidden from the Germans in the National Museum in Warsaw in a sealed mahogany case behind a wall in the museum's chapel. However, the Stradivarius disappeared in 1944. Now, French newspaper Le Parisien published an article about it. A Frenchman specializing in Nazi-era provenance research and the recovery of looted instruments, Pascal Bernheim, seems to have solved this mystery. Someone informed him that they had a violin which matched the description, and it was confirmed that the instrument was indeed the missing Stradivarius. This and many other interesting stories like that can be found on Polcast Facebook. If you're interested in what's written about Poland in English, online articles published in many countries by many media outlets, we post them daily on Polcast Facebook. There is some politics, of course, but not only. Culture, history, arts, and a lot more. Here is another example. Did you know that? The 1950-53 Korean War had a devastating impact on both Koreas, killing millions and leaving in its wake more than 100,000 orphaned children. North Korea sent thousands of orphaned children to Europe, and more than 4,000 ended up in Poland. North Korea undertook this initiative not only for humanitarian reasons, but also for propaganda purposes presenting the unfortunate children as one of the consequences of the American intervention in the Korean War. On January the 1st, 1955, some 1,000 new Korean orphans were placed in a large orphanage in the city of Plakowice near Lwówek Śląski. The main purpose was for the orphans to get an education that would be useful for the post-war reconstruction of North Korea. During the same period, authorities placed another 2,500 North Korean orphans in cities such as Polkowice and Zgorzelec in the southeast of Poland. Polish guardians were very impressed with the progress the children made in a very short time. Within a few months, 
those Korean pupils learned to speak Polish in spite of numerous pronunciation difficulties. You can find more about this story and many such unknown stories with connection to Poland on Polcast Facebook. I will put a link also on the episode 91 story on Polcast website, mypolcast.com. Toronto is the Hollywood of the North, well known for its film industry. It has numerous studios and is a post-production paradise for American filmmakers. Toronto streets often pose as U.S. cities in many American films. But also, it is a city with hundreds of film festivals. No wonder, considering that Canadians represent over 200 ethnolinguistic groups. Its number one festival, TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, is one of the largest publicly attended film festivals in the world, attracting over 480,000 people annually. Since its founding in 1976, TIFF has achieved an enormous success. The famous Variety acknowledged that TIFF is second only to Cannes, in terms of high-profile stars and market activity. In 2007, Time noted that TIFF had grown from its place as the most influential fall film festival to the most influential film festival, period. We also have a Toronto Polish film festival. Actually, it's second generation. The first one organized by daily newspaper Gazeta, of which I was the artistic director, NMC, had nine editions and ended in the year of 9-11. After a break, the young generation took initiative and Ekran, Polish film festival, was born. In Polcast, episode 58, we celebrated its 10th anniversary. Ekran has hosted many guests, shown many feature films, as well as documentaries and shorts. Hi, I'm Agnieszka Holland, film director from Poland. I took a Grand Polish Film Festival in Toronto. I'm Victoria Szymańska and I made a film Seven Sheep and I hope that you get to see it again in Toronto. Hello, Polish Film Festival in Toronto. I'm Jerzy Skolimowski. Have fun. How many of you are Polish? So we have to speak English. Yeah? I, come, I come originally from uh, Slovenia. Toronto is my hometown, so I'm really happy uh, to have this screen here with so many of my friends and peeps in the audience. This year, from November 16th till 20th, at the Review Cinema in Toronto, Ekran will be held for the 13th time. I'm talking to the founder and executive director of Ekran Polish Film Festival in Toronto, Marta Pojniakowska. Marta, this is the 13th festival, 13th Ekran Festival. I don't know what happened to this time, but it's going crazy. <laughs> I know. I can only, I can only count the uh, years of the festival based on my kid's uh, age. Oh, right, because you were pregnant with the first one, right? I think she was born on the second edition of the festival. <laughs> I have a picture when I'm breastfeeding the baby during the breaks at the festival uh, hallways. 
I do remember, though, that you were pregnant at one of the festivals. Well, there were two. Yeah, well, I was pregnant at one festival, def- definitely. And then I was pregnant at the second one, too. Yes. <laughs> and both kids are born, like, right after the the festival. So I was, like, always holding on, like, don't do it now. Don't do it now. And it always worked. <laughs> In both cases. Yeah, good baby. Anyway, uh, 13. Well, I hope you don't find it an unlucky number. No. No, I was born on the 13th. Consider it a lucky number. What choice do I have? So number 13 is special in the sense that now I guess you have a big board. What are the changes that have taken place recently? You know, it's a process. Nothing happened overnight. My thought about converting this non-for-profit organization into charity started like maybe five, six years ago. Uh, I've met with uh, one lady who was engaged in other art organizations in Toronto, and she was serving on some of the boards. So she educated me how the board looked like, what what actually we can accomplish of having a board. And under her guidelines, I started sort of collecting people who may be a good fit. You know, I think I was lucky because I met the right people at the right time, and um, my chair, Martin Kabat, took the organization to a completely different uh, level. Um, under his um, management, I can say, uh, we uh, converted the organization into a registered charity, so we're able to uh, issue tax receipts. Uh, we really reached out to other organizations, something that I had never been successful to. Um, for example, this year, uh, we managed to connect it with um, Polish Congress, uh, which for some reason I never been much successful. And just, you know, having other people and all those brains uh, thinking and giving your ideas, it's, it's incredible. And I know what it means that you need to have a team to do something. You can do everything on your own. Like I, I see a huge difference, huge potential. And I know that now, like, this uh, organization will, will thrive. What does that mean for the actual person that comes to watch movies at the festival? First of all, uh, the idea of having the board is to become a little independent financially because I was heavily uh, dependable of uh, financing from Poland, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, but, you know, at some point, you know, everything changes and uh, you have to stand on your own feet. So that's what we want to do. We want to be more sustainable and uh, perhaps reach out to funding in Canada. So I think for person that comes to watch the movies, the person wouldn't notice much changes because we try to keep it the same. You have a great films, great content. Um, there will be everything that we always offer our audience. Uh, but I think in the long term, there will be changes and uh, improvements to the festival overall. And like what? Can you give us an, an example? Uh, yes, perhaps we can extend the days of the festival, um, import more films, invite more guests, um, uh, adding uh, more attractive uh, events. Um, my idea would be, and some of the people on the board, to have events over the whole year, create memberships. You know, there's like incredible uh, things we can do, right? Everything, of course, depends on people, the power of human beings, uh, our involvement, energy, and money. So that means there may be more money 
which is really important. You can't do it without money. Absolutely. So one of the things, uh, since we turned Ekron into a charity, we reached out to Trillium Foundation. And this year, Ekron received a grant, huge accomplishment for the organization, huge recognition. So because it's on like Ontario provincial level. Uh, so that really gives us more tools and more top, uh, more power to make it more sustainable. Tell me, how many films? Is it different? Is it bigger? Is it smaller? What's the difference? Well, we have five days of the festival. Uh, we have 12 films. We have feature films. We have great documentaries. We have short films. Over the years, I uh, was accepting uh, independent uh, submissions from filmmakers uh, from all over the world. But of course, the content has to be somehow uh, connected to uh, Polish culture or Poland, Polish history. We received about 120 submissions on Film Freeway, or even more. Uh, some of the films uh, we outsource, outsource ourselves uh, in Poland, mostly through our connections during the uh, Gdynia Film Festival. And what I'm really excited is that for some reason last year when we had the festival, we had great films as well, but all of them were so, so depressing. I don't know anybody who wouldn't be affected with COVID and the lockdowns. I definitely was. So I couldn't watch those films. It was really hard. This year we have great films. They're lighter. They're funnier. We have comedies. Uh, we have movies that will inspire you. So actually, I'm looking forward to sit down and watch the films with the whole audience. And each each feature film is preceded with a short and with a short film and with a documentary. Is that how you planned it? Yes, that's uh, our idea, and uh, most of the films, uh, pretty much all of these films, uh, have short films prior to the main major screening. The tickets are already on sale, and uh, I guess they're selling quite well, yes? They are, yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where we are standing now, but uh, when we open, I think this first day, we sold a lot of tickets already, so that was great that... Mm, Without even like doing major introductions and promoting open box, people were like right away going to our website. So that's, for example, one of the improvements we could uh, do with uh, the grants, opening the pit box earlier and have it all working because that's important. How can people get in touch or how can they buy tickets? The best way is to go online uh, to our website, ekran.ca, it's E-K-R-A-N.ca or polishfilms.ca, uh, and you can purchase the tickets online. Some of the tickets, so whatever we have left, will be available at the box office. I wish you the best of luck. Happy to be on the jury. I can't wait to see these films. And uh, yeah, I guess it's going to be amazing number 13. All the best. Yes, thank you, Amongosiu. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. To learn more, please visit both Ekran's website, ekran.ca, and podcast website, mypodcast.com. Thank you for all the nice comments I get from you about podcast, my dear podcast listeners. Podcast and I would love your financial support as well, hence the crowdfunding campaign. Thank you to those who are already helping and supporting podcast. Like all other podcasts, this one counts and depends on its listeners. 
What is free for you to listen to is not free for me to make. I have to pay for the server, MailChimp to send newsletters, for the equipment, and last but not least, work that goes into producing it. Would you take me out for a coffee or donut once a month or lunch? If you would, but you cannot, because we're too far apart, please support Polcast with the equivalent of that. Go to mypolcast.com slash support and please make a pledge. Let me take this opportunity to thank all podcast listeners and our kind donors. I love you all. For a lot of additional information, multimedia links, please visit our website at mypolcast.com. And while you're there, please share your comments, your reactions, and suggest ideas. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to rate this episode on your favorite podcast app. If you know of any interesting story that I should cover on podcast, please let me know. you with a special Polish song to celebrate Polish Independence Day. This is one of the most popular Polish patriotic songs. All of us feel goosebumps when we listen to it. Thank you.